What's up, everybody? Welcome back. I am Danny, and I'm your host of the X's and T podcast. Today, I'm going to be talking about something a little bit different, and I want to issue a trigger warning. This is going to be a true crime case involving sexual assault, rape, and murder of minors. So if that's not something you want to hear, I completely understand. I will catch you in the next episode. This case I really want to talk about because it's very close to home, quite literally. If you're from Oregon, uh, specifically the Portland metro area, and you are above the age of 30, you've likely heard of this case and probably remember seeing it happen on TV. So this case happened in Oregon City, Oregon, and this was back in 2002, and the population in Oregon City was around 28,000 at the time. It's definitely grown. This is the case of Ashley Pond and Miranda Gaddis. It's hard because I remember watching everything happen on TV. I was the same age as these young girls, and it's so scary to think that something like this can happen. And I just want to say my condolences to the families, especially the moms. I mean, these moms are very outspoken. They fought for their daughters. They fought for justice for their daughters. They are nothing short of incredible women and very strong. The the siblings, just anybody involved in this case, I am so sorry that this is something that you have to do. I feel that raising awareness to a case like this helps us to be aware, to recognize red flags, and to listen when children say that something is wrong. So let's go back to the winter of 2002. This was just a few months shy of the tragedy of 9-11. So a lot of tragedy kind of all happening at once. And back during this time, uh, Ashley Pond was 12 years old. So she was just shy of turning 13. She would have turned 13 on March 1st of that year. And as the new year begun, she was just full of promise and a bright future. It's sad that four months following 9-11, her mom, Lori Pond, would see yet another tragedy happen. This all happened in what I would have considered back then kind of a small town. Oregon City is, like I said, it's grown quite a bit, but it was back then considered a smaller area that a lot of people were going to that was, you know, on the outskirts of the city. In the years leading up to this event, Ashley Pond had experienced what normal teenage girls would. She was in Gardner Middle School. She was on the dance team. She had friends. But unfortunately, she did see some tragedy in her life. Her parents divorced. And not long after that, she found out that the man she thought who was her father was not actually biologically her father. It would actually be a man named Wesley Rodger Jr. And Ashley would begin seeing Wesley on the weekends. That was until Christmas of 2000 when he would allegedly sexually assault her and demand adult favors. And she was then 11 years old. And following these sexual assault allegations, Roker would be indicted on 40 counts of sexual assault related charges. The trial, I can't even imagine how that was for Ashley. And Roker was only sentenced to 120 months of probation. And it wasn't just Ashley's father that was causing her trouble. And back then, it sounds like her mom, Lori, was going through a very challenging time as she was contacted by law enforcement five times before January of 2002 for various complaints, including allegedly locking Ashley and her three younger siblings out of the house, drinking heavily, and allegedly putting the kids in danger with alleged domestic disputes. I 
cannot imagine how vulnerable and lonely Ashley must have felt during this time. And among the residents of Oregon City was a friend of Ashley's. Her name was Mallory Weaver, and she was daughter of Ward Weaver III. They lived at 2507 South Beaver Creek Road, which was only roughly 10 minutes walking distance from the Newell Apartments where the Ponds lived. And Ashley and Mallory, they were best friends. They attended the same school. They were on dance team together. And Ashley would be seen at the Weaver home all the time. And during that time as well, it was seemingly a nice gesture. Ward Weaver would occasionally drive Ashley to school if she had missed her bus and was running late. So Ward Weaver III, he was born to Ward Francis Weaver Jr. and Trish Weaver on April 6th, 1963. Ward III, uh, he was born into mayhem just automatically. His mother, Trish, had left his father when Ward Weaver III was just four years old. And later, his father, Ward Weaver II, would be convicted of murder. He murdered Barbara Lavoie and Robert Radford in Kern County, California in 1985. He was sentenced to death. So back then, Ward Weaver II, he was a trucker and he had found these two stranded on a lonely highway. It's actually said that Ward Weaver II had driven a route where there were more than 26 unsolved murders, although he was never connected to any of them or charged with any additional crimes in relation to those unsolved murders. So going back to the fall of 2001, Ashley had seen a different side of Mallory's dad. Ashley would come out with sexual assault allegations saying that this happened at the hands of Ward Weaver III while she had been living in the Weaver home. So the police were notified of the allegations. However, no charges were ever filed. And it was actually during this time that allegedly Ward Weaver had threatened to discredit Ashley during Rodger's trial, where he was being tried for crimes against her should he be called as a witness. January 9th, it was a normal day for Ashley. She woke up. She was ready to leave. She left for school where she would go to her bus stop and go to school. Unfortunately, she didn't go to school that day and her mom didn't see her come home that night. So she was reported missing. And the days, they turned to weeks and Ashley, she was still missing. Now the media covered this case almost constantly. And on January 23rd, they had interviewed two girls waiting at the same bus stop where Ashley would have been. And among these two girls was 13-year-old Miranda Gaddis. She was quoted saying, it's really hard to believe that happened to one of your friends or something. It's just really different and really sad. So Miranda, Diane Gaddis, she was a girl who, according to the Oregonian, was said to love glitter and dance. She was on the dance team with Ashley Pond. They were both friends as they were both students at Gardner Middle School. Both girls, they actually lived in the same apartment complex, which, again, 10 minutes walking distance from a mutual friend that they had, Mallory Weaver. Like Ashley, Miranda did also have a more complicated past. At age six in February of 1995, Jason Gaddis, Miranda's father, was convicted of sexual assault-related charges against minors. And according to her little sister, Mariah, during this arrest, Jason Gaddis held Miranda hostage and was using her as a pawn to protect himself against the police, where he was threatening to hurt her if they didn't leave. The abuse didn't stop there. Miranda's mother, Michelle Duffy, would later pursue a romantic relationship with a man named Brett Edward McKinney. And unfortunately, this man was all but caring towards Miranda, as he too would sexually assault her and two other minor girls. He was later convicted of his crimes, and this led Miranda and her siblings to be placed into foster care. 
But 18 months later, they were placed back in their mother's care. After all of this had happened, Miranda had been in counseling in school following the abuse. She was quoted in a letter that was very powerful in fifth grade saying, people getting physically and sexually abused is a huge problem in the world. It can kill people. This was a very, very sad and scary foreboding for this young girl. Like Ashley, Miranda had spent quite a bit of time at the Weaver home. She was attending birthday parties, staying overnight. At one point, Miranda had actually backed up Ashley's claim of sexual assault as she told another girl at a birthday party not to stay overnight with Mallory as Ward Weaver had sexually assaulted Ashley, allegedly, a few months prior. So Weaver caught word of this statement and he was furious. Now, at this point, again, there were no charges brought against Ward Weaver. This was all alleged, but it definitely pissed him off. That January 23rd interview would unfortunately be the last time we see Miranda Gaddis on camera because on March 8th of 2002, she too was headed to her bus stop last seen at 7.30 a.m. and that was the last time she was seen. Both of these girls had vanished without a trace. So at first, it was not completely apparent to the police whether these two cases were connected, just that these two girls had been abducted. Prior to Miranda's disappearance, police had initially spoken to Weaver on on January 18th of 2002, when he told them that he was home the morning Ashley disappeared and that his burglar alarm was having problems, which is what he claimed made him late for work that day. That same day of the January 23rd interview featuring Miranda, the police had set up roadblocks where they were asking anyone and everyone if they had any information on the whereabouts. I remember seeing this happen on the news. It was really scary just not knowing what was going on, just that two young girls were missing and they were needing information. So in the following days, the police would learn of Weaver's criminal history and that he'd been convicted of felony charges related to violence against young women. A woman named Christy Sloan, who was Weaver's ex-wife, went on record to discuss her marriage where she says, there's been a couple of times I thought he was going to kill me. During this time, the police had also learned that Ashley Pond had been living with the Weavers during the summer of 2001, and they learned of his disdain towards Ashley when she'd come out about the sexual assault allegations against him. They'd also come to find out that Miranda, too, would often go over to the Weaver home. She'd go in the morning, wait for the bus with Mallory. And after Miranda's disappearance, it was becoming more clear that these cases were connected as they had one person in common— Ward Weaver III. Now, Weaver had been questioned by the police about the morning of Miranda's disappearance. He told them that he'd been home that morning tending to his sick daughter. But sources claimed that the evening before the disappearance, Mallory was really at her mother's house. So she wouldn't have even been at the Weaver home that next morning. In the days following Miranda's disappearance, Weaver had actually hired his teenage son and they would begin work on his backyard pouring a concrete slab for what Weaver claimed was for the foundation of a hot tub that he'd planned on installing. And now I'm going to tell you that this concrete slab was the highlight of this case. I, this was being spoken about all the time, just so much speculation around this concrete slab. So keep that in mind for later. It was at, during this time 
as well that Ashley and Miranda's case had gone to national news, uh, being featured on America's Most Wanted, begging for information about the girl's potential whereabouts. So Lori Pond and Michelle Duffy, again, incredibly strong women, were being interviewed on these national networks, such as Good Morning America. They actually recreated the girl's clothing that they were last seen wearing as to help anybody who may have seen these two girls. And they were going to give a $50,000 reward should anyone find information that led to these missing girls. Months were continuing to pass and neighbors of the girls, men in the surrounding areas were all being interviewed and they were being polygraphed. Anyone without a solid alibi was taken a closer look at in order to clear them of the crime. Ward Weaver III was continued to be a person of interest. He too was polygraphed, although all the results were being held as it was an ongoing investigation and they weren't going to release them until the end. So it turns out Weaver had failed his polygraph test and investigators had banded together to create a profile of the suspect that they would likely find. So this person would have had changes in their daily lifestyle and also getting rid of their daily car. And Weaver did, in fact, sell his 1977 Camaro, which was his daily driver, in July of 2002. And the interior lining, as well as the carpet in the trunk, had been removed. Those who knew Weaver were also reporting changes in his attitude. According to his friend, Roger Stevens, Weaver wanted to be left alone, not wanting to be bothered. However, in July, he would have his first of many television interviews. One thing about Ward Weaver is he was very talkative to the media. He interviewed about his relationship with the girls. He'd let them tour his home and any attempt that he could that he had no involvement and tried to prove his innocence. Um, so in these interviews, he was very, in all of these interviews, he was cocky, outspoken, and he was incredibly outspoken about how he felt about Ashley, especially when they asked him about her. So he would say things like, Ashley has this habit of when she gets in trouble with someone, she makes accusations against that person in reference to the sexual allegation charges or sexual assault allegations. And his tone was actually the polar opposite when speaking about Miranda. He would claim that he'd never had any issues with her. When asked about what happened to the two girls, he claims his belief is that Ashley ran away and would hate to think that someone took Miranda. Now, as these two cases are being linked together, him being asked, are these are these linked? Is there some sort of correlation between the two? He would say, I don't see it that way. Like both Ashley and Miranda's mothers, Weaver too made an appearance on Good Morning America, again, to attempt to lead the police away from him as the main suspect. And he again would point out that he has pro that Ashley has problems and her mother doesn't care about her. Uh, again, he's just saying she's better off where she's hiding out. And these are all just very aggressive things that Weaver had been saying about Ashley Pond and her mother, Lori. On July 12th, the first search warrant was issued, but it wasn't issued to Weaver. It was issued to the apartment of 23-year-old Adam Abrams, who lived above Ashley Pond. Abrams had reported to the police that he had actually been camping at Bagby Hot Springs when Miranda had gone missing in March. And despite proclaiming his innocence, he failed his polygraph test and the police were demanding health his mental health records because they were searching for someone who was being treated for sexual rage or pedophilia. Later, Abrams would eventually be cleared of these allegations. 
Going to August 8th of 2002, the police started to hone in on Weaver as he publicly announced that he was moving out of Oregon and possibly going to Mexico. During the same interview, he expresses that he wants Miranda to come home. He wants to know the whereabouts of Ashley, but he'd honestly leave her there. Again, just speaking so poorly about Ashley, he did not like her and he was not shy about it. So while all of this is certainly compelling, it was actually his son, Francis Weaver, who would allege to the police that on the same day, on August 8th, that Weaver had confessed to abducting and murdering Ashley Pond and Miranda Gaddis, claiming his father said that he killed Pond because she deserved it, though allegedly he gave no explanation as to why he gave Miranda the same fate. Following this television interview, Francis Weaver failed to mention to his girlfriend that his father had confessed to supposedly murdering somebody, two girls. And sadly, on the night of August 13th of 2002, 911 received a call from a very frantic Francis Weaver reporting that his father, Ward Weaver III, had allegedly sexually assaulted his then 19-year-old girlfriend who ran from the home wrapped in a tarp. She went to a local shoe store where she hid out and the police were called. Weaver claimed that this was a consensual act, but he would be indicted on one count of sexual assault and one count of rape. So in her report, she alleges that Weaver strangled her and attempted to suffocate her by holding his hand over her mouth. And she was convinced that she was going to die, but she also thought about Ashley and Miranda, and she was convinced that he wanted her dead just like them. So as this was reported by abcnews.go.com and that the police were quick to point out that his arrest had not advanced the investigation into what happened to Ashley and Miranda. So at this time, they're still not completely connecting Ashley and Miranda to Ward Weaver. But this arrest did break the case wide open. Because Francis had more to say as he claimed his father confessed that the girls were in his backyard. Surprisingly enough, even following the arrest, investigators still didn't connect Weaver to to Ashley and Miranda disappearances. Yet the whole town, they were astir about the concrete slag. Concrete slab, among whom was Ashley's stepmother, Mary Campoboso, who was seen on television taping a homemade sign written in Sharpie saying, dig me up, that she put on top of the concrete slab. The whole town had suspicion. Everybody had this feeling that this concrete slab was not just a coincidence. Amidst the chaos, Weaver's landlord placed an eviction notice on the house door where Ward Weaver lived. So while putting up no trespassing signs as well, Steve Hopkins made his way to the wooden shed in the backyard where he would find a gruesome sight. Several fly traps hanging in one portion of the shed, he said, were covered with flies. After a call to the police, investigators would flood the scene. So on August 23rd, 2002, over seven months since Ashley had gone, had disappeared and five since Miranda had last been seen, that's when investigators finally got to their search warrant to look at the property that everyone had been telling them to go look at. Hours of searching, the girls were found. In all those months of searching, wondering what the fate of the girls would be, praying that they would be found alive, sadly, I report to you, they were found in Ward Weaver III's backyard. 
that was their final resting place. So in the wooden shed was the first to be checked where the first set of human remains were found inside a microwave box. They would be identified as Miranda Diane Gaddis. As suspected, the second set of remains would be found beneath the infamous concrete slab in a barrel, and this would be the body of Ashley Marie Pond. Ford Weaver III would be indicted on six counts of aggravated murder, two counts of abuse of a corpse in the second degree, and one count of attempted aggravated murder, and one count of sexual assault in the second degree, and two counts of sexual assault in the third degree. Two years after finding the girls in his backyard, Ward Weaver was facing the death penalty. And in order to avoid death in September of 2004, Weaver pled guilty to two charges and no contest to the rest. He was sentenced to two life sentences without parole. Like father, like son. You'd think with this level of trauma, the end of the murderous bloodline would end here. This is the real world, and unfortunately, you'd be sadly mistaken. Although found not to be his blood-related son, Francis Weaver would be convicted in 2016 of a killing a Grants Pass man in 2014. He was sentenced to life in prison, though his attorney would appeal the charges. Uh, surprisingly, despite the Oregon Court of Appeals upholding the conviction, the Oregon Supreme Court disagrees. And and is still set to retry Francis. So in regards to Ward Francis Weaver Jr., because of the 2021 ballot, the state of California will abolish the death penalty, which means Ward Weaver Jr. or Ward Weaver II could be released into San Quentin State Prison's general population and as early as this year, 2023. Do these men, are, are, they, are they proud to be from a long line of, of murderers? I guess the world may never know. So the property at 2507 Beaver Creek Road would be demolished two weeks after the girls were found. The lot has remained vacant all of these years as the state refuses to pay to build an apartment complex there. And in 2020, a, chur a church expressed interest in the property, but the lot remains the same as nature had taken its course. Where the house once sat is tall grass greenery as it still remains in place. And you can absolutely drive by this spot and still see the lot. In fact, it's very sad when you drive by and you know what happened at that house. But I'm glad that they did tear down the house. I'm sure it's a horrific reminder to anybody who still lives locally. Miranda's sister, Mariah Gaddis, had questions, and there was only one true source who could give her answers. So seven years later, according to Mariah, she would write a letter and visit Ward Weaver III in prison. So as reported by KVAL.com, Mariah said Weaver abducted Miranda out of Miranda out of fear, thinking she'd seen him do something. So to lure her, he said that he had Ashley inside and she needed help going home. Additionally, Mariah told KVAL.com that Weaver killed Ashley out of fear of being arrested for sexual assault allegations. So a scary side note is she mentioned as well that she too was on his list of prey. At this time of posting the video, no further communication between the two has been reported. So as a side note to this tale that that made it very real for me and even more so that it happened in my community was two years later, I moved into an apartment complex next door to a woman and her daughter who had known these people. The mother had allegedly 
short had a short-lived romantic relationship with Weaver and her daughter had not only befriended Ashley and Miranda but had gone to school with Ashley Miranda and Mallory so to hear them talk about these young girls I mean even at the age that I was, it, it was so sad. It was sad to know that these were real girls. They had real friends and they were stolen from their families, from this world. And it is devastating to think about. So at the heart of this case, you have two teenage girls, two beautiful young ladies. They were students of the same school. They danced on the same dance team and they shared a very common traumatic past. They both trusted and were taken by the same evil man. It's horrific to think about what had happened to these girls. Ashley Pond and Miranda Gaddis, they had a bright future ahead. These two girls are remembered as bright souls who were stolen from this world way too soon. It does make me sad. You know, every time I, I visit back home and I'm in the area, I think about them. I think about them because of who they could have been today. I'm sure their parents are constantly thinking about them. Their memory will live on forever. If there's anything that I've learned is that we need to listen to kids when they are speaking out against adults who have harmed them. If that's one thing I can say is, is we need to listen to our kids when they are saying that horrific things are happening to them behind closed doors. Thanks so much for listening. Um, I know this one was a little bit rough. And again, I just want to keep this story alive because these two girls, they got justice, but their story deserves to be told. So I I guess at this point, you know, if you've made it this far, thanks so much for listening. You can follow me on uh, Instagram and TikTok, both at X's and T underscore podcast. I release new episodes on Tuesdays and Fridays. I really look forward to catching you guys at the next episode. See ya.